You're listening to The Whole Truth, a Resources Rising Stars podcast. Welcome back to The Whole Truth podcast. I'm Paul Armstrong. Talk of consolidation in the gold sector is everywhere at the moment. You'd have to be in a cocoon not to know that it's one of the hottest themes in the share market. Today's guest is Mark DeClaire. He's the Managing Director of Astral Resources. Astral has what must be one of the most simple gold mining propositions in the share market at the moment. The company's Mandilla project is on the outskirts of Kalgoorlie. It's a good old-fashioned gold mining story, one big pit with a million odd ounces in it. The company's just completed a scoping study which shows Mandilla is set to generate strong cash flow with plenty of growth to come through drilling at depth and at various deposits around the outside, all within truckable distance of the proposed plant. It's a good old-style recipe that's seen shareholders make lots of money over many years. Eastern Goldfields is undoubtedly one of the most desirable places for gold mining in the world. How long this company stays as a standalone entity, you be the judge. There's not many projects around with that scale in the Eastern Goldfields. The valuations by compared to its peers are certainly attractive and one can't help but wonder whether the company will become a target for one of the growth-hungry gold companies that sits around the outside of its project. Mark's a great bloke. He's done a very good job getting Mandela to this stage, and I think you'll enjoy hearing what he's got to say about what comes up next. So as you, as you just heard on the introduction to the Whole Truth podcast, I'm here with Mark DeClaire, a.k.a. the Chocolate Eclair. And I must say, for the benefit of our readers, for our listeners on this occasion, he has only himself to blame for that nickname because several years ago I was about to introduce him to the throng at Resources Rising Stars and I asked Mark, how do you pronounce your surname? And he, and he said to me, Declare, as in Chocolate Eclair, and uh, the name stuck. So Chocolate Eclair, welcome to the Whole Truth Podcast. You've just tabled the scoping study on your Mandela Gold Project and uh, looks like it's going to be a pretty big hole. Yeah, uh, absolutely. There's over 180 million tonnes of movement coming out of Mandela over about eight years' worth of mining. So it is 330 metres deep and over one kilometre long. It's a, it's, a, it's a big, big hole. Now, when I read the scoping study, I must admit it came to me, the thought came to me, Mark, that this is old-style gold mining, gold mining 101. Here you are on the outskirts of Kalgoorlie, probably closer to Campbellda to be precise, uh, well-known Eastern Goldfields Territory of Western Australia, you've got one big hole with a million-odd ounces in it. Absolutely. So we sort of forecasted in the lead-up to this scoping study that SEER as a deposit was going to convert at a really high level from resources into a production target, and the reality it has, it has come in at over 80% conversion. So there's over 800,000 ounces in SEER, and then we're also mining Hestia and EOS to get us a total production target of 845,000 ounces over 11 years' worth of processing, sort of eight years of mining. Now, people have been uh, a bit singed, I suppose, over time with gold projects that move into the development and the production phase. This is about as basic as it gets, isn't it? There's nothing particularly complicated about this project whatsoever. No, and I think people that are getting singed, I mean, we have spent a little bit of time trying to educate our shareholders in relation to that and when we have looked at that developer peer group, that developer peer group that has failed to be successful, for want of a better description, has mismanaged the geological risk. And we have spent a lot of effort ensuring that the mineral resource that we have put together is going to deliver on expectations. Because building a process plant, getting the right infrastructure, commissioning a gold plant, all those things are very much 
tried and proven and tested and yeah, this is this is hardly cutting edge technology that you're putting up here, is it? This is this is Kalgoorlie gold mining one oh one. Ah, hundred percent. So it's it's three stage crush, single stage bore mill, grinding to hundred and fifty micron, there's ninety five percent recovery, gravity recovery is is seventy percent. You couldn't find a nicer ore body from a, a metallurgical perspective, to be honest. The question is, how many ounces a year will this project spit out once it's in operation and what sort of margins and cash flows are you talking about? That's what investors ultimately want to know, isn't it? Yeah, so for the first eight years, we're averaging just over 100,000 ounces per annum and then when mining stops, we sort of roll into the low-grade stockpiles and then we're doing about 40,000 ounces per annum. But the average cash flow for those first eight years is is about $97 million per annum and then we're still doing over $40 million per annum of free cash flow in, the, in those trailing three and a half, four years when we're actually treating low grade. So it generates $740 million worth of uh, free cash flow. Geez, the, the payback is uh, three quarters of a year. So our, our cash outlay is paid back within 0.75 years. The NPV is over $440 million. And bear in mind, we've done the discount rate at 8% just to be mindful of the interest rate environment that we're in. We've used a gold price of $2,750. The gold price hasn't traded under $2,900 for quite a long period of time, so there's certainly some upside. And we've, we, we have put in a real effort to be quite conservative with the assumptions that we've made with this, with this scoping study. They, they are conservative numbers. I mean, that, that discount rate is, is right at the upper end. Uh, the gold price assumption, as you say, is very conservative by many standards. This is simple, juicy, straightforward WA gold mining, isn't it? It's almost reminiscent of the sort of stuff that took place in the 90s that made investors a lot of easy money. Yeah, well, these large-scale open pits don't come along very, very often. I mean, I was having a look at some of the mid-cap producers because they're all starting to drop their their oil reserve statements and, and resource statements over this, this current quarter. And if... The ones that actually have really good disclosure and actually report down to the individual deposit level, you won't find one that's got 800,000 ounces in a single open pit. So what happens next? If uh, shareholders would look at this and say, hey, Mark, some great numbers in here, this is pretty juicy, uh, how can you bring this to life faster? Well, we'll certainly as a board approve this to go through to the pre-feasibility, so we'll start work on that. There's a few things we need to do around increasing the level of confidence for the Mandela deposit, increasing the percentage of inferred to indicated. Bear in mind the first three years we're at 80% indicated, over the life of mine we're at 70% indicated. So we're actually, the ore quality or sorry, the resource estimate um, confidence level is already relatively good. But the next thing we need to do is do some work around looking at how that that resource at an indicated level then converts to measured. So we will do that work and we'll do a um, do a, a conditional simulation to look at how that operates and then go and actually test it and then we'll go, radio, Mandela's good to go. I mean, the reality is that sort of stuff isn't that sexy to do. It doesn't generate the exciting news flow and we're sort of well aware of that. But then we look at what opportunities we still have at Thea, uh, the drill results we've recently put out at Camperman, We've got some real opportunities to bring some high-grade ounces forward, and that's just going to make this project look even better again, and that's certainly what we'll be concentrating on. So at one end, we'll continue to push through the study, get it to a pre-feasibility level, and then on, on the other end, we'll look for how we actually grow 
Thea and our other deposits, which we have at, at Faisal now that we've been having some really good luck with at the moment. Now, talk about Faisal because Mandilla obviously is, you've ticked a lot of the key boxes there, Mark, and it does look good. But investors always want to know what comes next, doesn't it? You never want to uh, let the dog catch the rabbit, as they say. So what happens in the, in the, in the rest of the, the wider astral story here? How do you keep the story moving along? Well, as we speak at the moment, we've actually got three drill rigs on site, so we're certainly putting in all the effort to keep the story moving along. So EOS, which is the paleo channel, which as part of this scoping study only really comes in in about year six. Um, once the two digger fleet runs out of real estate at the bottom of Thea, we actually move one of those digger fleets out and goes into mines EOS. So we've got an air core rig there because the paleo channel system is actually still continuing. We'll look to see how that expands to the southeast so we've got that program running we've got a diamond rig on site at Thea because interestingly at the bottom of the Thea pits so around 330 odd meters worth of vertical depth we get this laminated veining happening inside this in, inside this uh, big granite intrusion that we're actually going to be mining and that is running exceptionally high grade so the laminated veining is just wider veining than what you get in those sort of tensional veins and we're seeing a lot of visible gold there and that when we've hit that and we've hit that um, in multiple sections uh, hundreds of meters apart that thing is running sort of ounce ounce to the sort of ton type grades so what does all that mean in layman's terms does that mean there's an underground prospect here there's a longer term underground mine emerging oh we'd love to think that there could be but it is certainly early days more importantly, from an immediate term perspective, is given the conservative nature of the resource estimate, when we hit that laminated veining at, let's say, 330 metres worth of vertical depth, we don't get value for that, for that veining uh, across strike from one drill hole to the other because we don't have enough geological confidence to say that that thing is actually running from one hole to the next. And this drilling that we're doing now is to sort of demonstrate that that continuity of that laminated veining is there in which case we can actually get quite a nice bump of ounces right at the bottom of the pit. And the mine is driving down to that sort of depth anyway, so it's just, it's almost like three ounces at the bottom of the pit. So it's low-hanging fruit? Yeah, for a, a couple of 450-metre deep diamond drill holes, which obviously aren't cheap, but it's important information for us to gather. And then if you look at Faysville and with the drill results that we've put out uh, earlier in the month. How far will Faysville be from the, or how far is it from the proposed processing plant? Ah, it's 50 kilometres. So I think the best way to think about it is 0.1 of a gram of gold you would consume trucking it from Faysville to Mandela. So, nothing. so it's the same project for all intents and purposes. So you leverage that infrastructure once you've got it up and running? Yeah, 100%. And, uh, and we think at Camperman there, we've now got 240 metres worth of strike. I mean, of the drill holes, we put eight drill holes into it. 50, uh, 50% of them have come back at 50 gram metre intersections. So they're, they're good quality intersections. Yeah, we had the four metres at 94 and a bit grams per tonne, which is a cracker. We actually panned that. Um, we went, went to site, grabbed the one metre worth of, of spoils, came back and panned part of that and got some exceptional visible gold out of that. So we know we've got a free gold deposit there at, at Camperman that we're certainly keen and the results we most recently put out, 21 metres at 4 grams, 35 metres at 2 grams. So, and those those results seem to be bound by a dollarite unit. So there's there's two shear positions that we were projecting through. We went and drilled them, hit them, got good grade results in the proximity of those shear positions, and there's this dollarite unit, which 
is considered a relatively good host for gold mineralisation. So we're very excited about what Camperman could bring. And if you put a two or three gram ore body into that large Mandela processing plant, then that goes from 100,000 ounces per annum. You get quite a good bump and it's, and it's just pure additional cash flow. Now, as great as these numbers sound, Mark, you'd have to say there's a big risk here, isn't there, that uh, you, given all the talk about consolidation in the gold sector and the like, you must be on the radar of some of the, uh, the acquirers around the traps. Oh, potentially we are. I mean, we obviously have some history with the previous company we did in Egan Street Resources, which was taken over by Silver Lake. And I think from a shareholder perspective, the shareholders can take certainly some comfort from the perspective that we will do technical work to a quality that A, can stand up to the sort of due diligence that you need to do to get the debt funding and similarly the level of due diligence that a mid-tier or a major will do to determine whether they actually want to pay for that project. Um, we can't control that outcome. We've got a cracking Mandela Gold project that stands by itself on its own two feet comfortably. I mean, you're paying, it's got $190 million worth of peak negative cash flow. We pay that back in three quarters of a year. I mean, that's that's an exceptional outcome and it gives us a long runway to then generate lots of free cash. I mean, it's quite a tempting prospect, isn't it, for a, for a bigger gold company that's looking for growth. The heat's on a lot of these companies to uh, define the next avenue of growth. Uh, how do you expand your production base and your balance sheet? Uh, there's obviously a, a big uh, premium being paid for gold projects in Australia, particularly Western Australia, let alone right in the heart of the eastern gold fields. It's, it's about as good as gold mining countries you'll find anywhere in the world from an investor perspective, uh, you've got you've got the scale, as you say, at about a million odd ounces growth potential. Surely, it's, it's you'd have to say it's unlikely you're going to be around when the first bar is poured at Mandela, isn't it? Uh, yeah, to be honest, I don't hundred percent know how to answer that question. But if we put it into context, that's the whole idea of this, isn't it? Yeah, You're not meant to know how to answer the question. Yeah, so if we put it into that context, that Kalgoorlie Kambata region does have thirty million tons per annum of processing capacity installed with Northern Star and Evolution recently announcing uh, financial investment decisions to put in another 15 million tonnes per annum of processing capacity. So there is 45 million tonnes in that area. And So your dirt would actually be truckable. Your goal would be truckable to any number of plants in the region, wouldn't it? Oh, it, it is. I mean, the first year we're at two and a half grams per tonne. The second year we're at 1.7 grams per tonne. And then we float between one and 1.3 grams per tonne as we do different stages of that fair cutback and then as EOS comes in, yes, you can truck that material. I mean, I'm just mindful of you want the best outcome for your shareholders and the best outcome for your shareholders is one where you don't have to truck that material very far. And you've got enough mine life to justify, to say the least, to justify a standalone plant. Uh, absolutely. There's, there's uh, close to 12 years worth of processing, so there's plenty of opportunity there. And uh, eight years worth of mine life is a significant mine life. As I said, 180 million tonnes of total movement, 26 million tonnes of ore over that period of time. So parking the issue of whether you'll be taken out, obviously you don't have a lot of say in that, not, not, the, not in uh, starting the action anyway. But moving on to what investors can expect over the next few months, what's, what's uh, going to keep you busy? Well, continual, continual growth of our deposits. So we have just completed a fundraising. So we're certainly well funded to continue drilling, which is why we'll be drilling all the way through till 
just before Christmas and looking to start the rigs up again in January. So we are confident in our ore bodies and we're confident in their capacity to grow. We have, um, over the last two resource estimates at Mandilla, added close to half a million ounces. That's come in at an average cost of $17 per ounce. So whilst pretty much all gold juniors and gold development MDs will lament their share price and the general lack of positive sentiment, um, we are valued at around $40 an ounce on an EV basis and we're adding ounces at $18 an ounce. So it's still a value accretive business. Something has to give there, doesn't it? Either You'd have to say logically either the price is re-rated, the value is re-rated in line with some of the peers that you rightly cite or someone comes along and consumes you at a premium. Yeah, well, if you look at the Musgrave transaction just recently or the one that's currently in play, um, if you look at that on an EV per production target ounce basis, so Musgrave comes out with a study and says, this is how many ounces we can produce. That transaction is being valued at close to $500 an ounce, right? On a production target, EV per production target basis for Astral Resources now, with 845,000 ounce production target, we're sort of getting valued about $60, $60 an ounce. So no matter how you want to cut the maths, there's upside everywhere. Uh, 100%. And even the peer group, so the develop, all the developers that have put studies out, that peer group is sitting at, sitting at about $90 an ounce. So there's certainly some significant upside, even without the, the threat of a potential M&A activity. So we want to backfill that, that gap in valuation. And then we want to continue to grow and demonstrate just how good a project Mandela can be. Markets, you've done a great job getting it to this stage. There's clearly um, value to be had in it, hasn't it? I mean, the market is probably still waking up to the, the size of the opportunity and the scale of the project. But hopefully this podcast might get some people to actually have a, a longer look at the scoping study and say, hey, this is a significant project in the making. But... With the growth you've got coming, you've got the drill rigs going, there's various activities happening in parallel, so there's no reason to think that uh, there won't be excellent news flow for, for several months as you ramp up the development work. Uh, yeah, agree. And and to be honest, I'd, I guess a lot of the market is waiting for that change in sentiment, and invariably it always comes. All we can do as a company is position ourselves to be like at the forefront of that because obviously that rising tide lifts all boats. We just want to be one of the ones that gets lifted higher. And that's why we're working so hard on this Mandela Gold project, our Phaseville targets, and aggressively continuing to grow in yeah, what potentially is a tough market. We've always been able to fund our business. We will continue to fund our business. This scoping study, if you look through the detail, you'll realise that the geotechnical work is actually done to a pre-feasibility level. The detailed mine design and scheduling probably meets the requirements for a definitive feasibility level. The uh, the capital cost we have we have kept at a scoping study level because the reality is maybe there is an M and A opportunity, and so there's some aspects of as you drive this project forward that you want to be mindful of expending money where you get the best bang for dollar, and that's certainly what we've been doing. Right, it looks sounds fantastic. Thanks for your time today, and we'll. Watch it closely. Maybe we will get you back on the uh, The Whole Truth podcast early next year to see how things are panning out. All the best. Thanks, right. Mark. Cheers. Thanks very much, Paul. You've been listening to The Whole Truth, a Resources Rising Stars podcast produced by Resource Media. 
hosted by Paul Armstrong for Reed Corporate. Please note that Reed Corporate does not provide investment advice and investors should seek personalised advice before making any investment decisions.